from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. When you look at what's happening with ACC, mm-hmm. and maybe this is just you know what we've seen recently happening, the main concern, besides complete you know, dissolution that the ACC should be worried about, is not becoming the next Pac-12. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, you don't want to be that. You don't want like your the equivalent of your USC and UCLA, you know, your UNC and Duke to skedaddle and go to insert conference here. Mm-hmm. That's you, you want to avoid that. So now, so with that in mind, the question starts to become, well, how do you avoid that? Let's fix it. Let's let's just come up with the solutions right here, Dennis Cox. All right, let's do it. What are we? What what's what's step number one? What the, what do they do? To not not become the Pac-12? Not become the Pac-12. Well, I think they're doing a good job of that right now in the sense that they actually do have a revenue stream coming in right now because yes. the Pac-12 actually basically has none. And then hence hence why USC and UCLA were able to jump ship and then you know, after you know start of 2024. So basically after this upcoming season. So they have that going, but they there are ways for the league to generate revenue outside of their television deal. Yes. And they're multiple ways to do that one that's sponsorships with individual programs and the conference as a whole for example i don't know what the ncaa rule is regarding this but we see it for example in the nba where you see patches on a uniform or in the nhl for example you see a logo on the side of the helmet for pete's sake look at any soccer club out there right it's been going on forever i mean manchester united had a, had a chevy logo on the front of their jersey for however many years. Yeah. So, okay, is that an option? I heard uh, Adam Gold mention that earlier today. Again, I don't know what the NCAA rules are regarding that because the NCAA has some very strict uniform rules. I think in the NCAA tournament, that definitely wouldn't fly because for multiple reasons. But maybe during the regular season, is that possible? Are you selling signage on courts, You know, things along those lines? Why not? At this point, any and everything should be for sale. It's kind of the way I look at it, right? Yeah. I think the question becomes more of like looking at the the what did, what did Brian call it the success initiative. Yes. It's great, great branding. Um, when you look at something like the success initiative, that's going to take schools that have the wherewithal to have success in the postseason and give them more credit and give them more uh, financial compensation. So, can you start to take? each individual school and let them do their own thing in a sense? Or is that something where it's, that may be a step too far for the ACC? That's that's where I start to wonder there. Because if you do that, then I think you're going to have programs like the you know the, the UNC's, the Dukes, the Florida States, the Clemson's mm-hmm. that are going to be able to really take advantage of that. And there are going to be some that may struggle a little bit more in that kind of situation. And this gives... A, this also entices schools and programs to... To, again, get into the NCAA tournament. Now, this is where the success plan as the conference as a whole, this is where the conference has to support itself. Not just, hey, I'm my individual school doing better. But this is where the conference needs to support itself. So there's a big stink brought up this past college basketball season about the net rankings in the ACC and how a lot of people nationally, national media, were just poo-pooing on the conference. In terms poo-pooing. Of, yes, poo-pooing on the conference. For their for their their standings and the net rankings and things along those lines, where you see some other conferences, for example, like the Big Twelve, 
was able to manipulate their non-conference scheduling to help elevate the conference as a whole. Net darlings, like yes. the Big 12. Like the the Mountain West, another prime example. And we mm-hmm. did see some success with that San Diego State going you know, as far as they did, obviously. Yep. But I, I do think it's it's about, you, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah. And I think at this point, if you're the ACC, you, get, you have to play the game. And I know schedules are done in advance a little bit. That, that doesn't mean squat. But un- understand what you need to game the net rankings. Uh-huh. Because uh, we've seen, it doesn't really, the net rankings, obviously, they, they matter to an extent. But we've seen the ACC have success despite net rankings. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back to, um, you know, two years ago now, or last year, I should say now, two seasons last year, with UNC and Duke getting the Final Four. You know, yeah. half, the, half the ACC, or half the Final Four being an ACC school. Um, you look at this year, Miami having the success that it's had. Um, there, there are a lot of there's a lot of ACC success that I think does get poo-pooed on, to to use your phrasing there, until they get to the postseason, and then it's just kind of, you know, it is what well, it is. You either win or you don't. Well, that's a separate that's a separate but parallel conversation because there's narrative about the ACC, and there's also physical metrics in terms of getting teams into the AC into exactly. the NCAA tournament. So there's there are two different things, and the thing that the ACC is concerned about is getting teams in the tournament because yes. the more teams you get into the tournament, more dollars into Cash. the conference. Okay, and those teams that get in. More money for them because that goes into the success model that we're talking about. So, for example, there are ways that the ACC can schedule out of conference in order to boost their overall ranking. So, what we saw with the Big 12 this past season was their non conference schedule was overall pretty good, but they were super successful out of non conference. So, they had really high net rankings going into their conference schedule. And, okay, well, you may have taken a loss on the road. For example, if you were Oklahoma, who was dead last in their conference this past year, but they almost made the NCAA tournament. They, If they were to lose on the road at Oklahoma, Oklahoma were to lose on the road at Kansas, it still counted as a great loss. Or if, for example, if a Kansas State went to, went to Norman, Oklahoma, and beat them, well, their net rankings were so high, it boosted Kansas State. So they're constantly elevating each other throughout the process, whereas what we saw in the ACC, when conference play actually got started, some teams were lower than expected. For example, Louisville having a bad year. Florida State having a bad year non-conference-wise. I mean, they had bad years overall, but that didn't help the ACC at all. You you want to position your school from a schedule perspective to have positive outcomes mm-hmm. regardless of the win or loss, which feels like ridiculous to say, but you want to be able to put them in a position where it's like a loss is still a good loss and a win is even better for you versus like these wins where it's like you win and you drop in the net ranking. Yeah, you would drop six spots in the, in the net rankings. So, for example... Uh, Nevada in the Mountain West. Sure. In the same conference as San Diego State. They scheduled Kansas out of conference. They went to Kansas, okay? But for Kansas, it was a good game because they knew that overall for the season, Nevada was going to have really good numbers because they're going to be high in their conference rankings and they had games against teams like San Diego State. Okay, so that elevated Nevada by playing against Kansas, but Kansas playing against Nevada also elevated Kansas as well. So in the Mountain West, anytime someone played Nevada, 
because of who they played non-conference, it elevated everyone else in that conference as well. Exactly. That's why like, people are like, well, look at the Mountain West. They're so much better than the ACC based on the net rankings. It's like, well... Are they? It, well, are they better? Again, that goes into the narrative conversation, but the way the Mountain West scheduled was be- allowed them to elevate who they are. And this also gets into the number of conference games as well because if you schedule 20 conference games for the ACC, well, that just means more in conference losses. Yes. Right? You're again, cannibalizing yourself. You're, yeah, exactly. You're cannibalizing yourself in that regard. But if you play 18 conference games and you're allowed to schedule out of conference and pick up maybe two wins out of conference and maybe boost your strength of schedule by playing in one of these neutral site holiday tournaments, whatever it is, you know, like NC State's going to Vegas or the you know, the Maui Invitational, yeah. those kinds of things, that boosts your overall profile. The more opportunities ACC schools can go play in those, boost your net rankings before you even enter conference play. And that's what you need to have. You have to goose the numbers, elevate yourself, inflate your numbers before you get into conference play because then, okay, you might be a middle, like, for example, Clemson this past year in conference, had they had a better non-conference I mean, yeah, we, it, it changes everything. Or if other ACC schools had a better non-conference and net ranking, it would have elevated up. They would have been in the NCAA tournament. I mean, if you're the ACC, you probably you're pulling at your hair when you look at NC State make the postseason and then Clemson not make the postseason. Mm-hmm. You're like, what are we doing? Like, make up your mind in, in terms of how all of this is decided. And, you know, I, it, it feels gross to say, but I think in some ways it's it's you have to, from at least a college basketball perspective, you have to embrace the way. There are SEC fans, if you will. You know what I mean? Who are like, SEC, SEC, chanting that in games all the time. You have to embrace that mentality if you're the ACC, where you are rooting for conference success, at least in college basketball, because conference success is going to directly correlate to your success um, when it comes to ability to make the postseason, which ties into the narrative, and all of this goes round and round. And uh, sounds like we need to hire some some strategy folks for the ACC. And and one thing, again, so... Boosting all these things up gets more teams into postseason play. Which brings which, the money. Which brings in more money. But I will say this. If you're going to go with the success model, all right, in terms of more postseason opportunities, you get more money, there's got to be a caveat in there. You can't say no to the postseason. Ooh. All right? Because here's the thing. Even the NIT, you still get money from that. Mm-hmm. Your school, your conference still gets money from that. Is it a higher percentage or higher or I say a higher allotment of money than the NCAA tournament. No, but it's still money coming in. Yeah. So if you want to go with this success model, you can't say no to postseason play. That's interesting. That To me, that's got to be it. Okay. You can't say no to postseason play because then you are also now turning down money, more money for your school, if that makes sense. It does. So that's, that's, that's something I say. You can't say no to postseason play. Now, ones you got to pay to get into, like the CBI and that kind of stuff, that's a little bit different. But the NCAA tournament, NIT, can't say no to it. Unless the caveat of some sort of odd extenuating circumstance. For example, what happened with Virginia football late in their season with, with their players off the field, totally out of their control. But something like that, absolutely. Sure. 100%. Otherwise, you're going. Okay. And I think that has to be a caveat in there. If we're going to have this success model, you have to go. I think that's fair. I think I think that's fair. All right. 
As we continue now, the Body Armor State Games are coming this June to Charlotte. Don't miss North Carolina's largest sports festival of the year. Athletes of all ages and skills can register now at BodyArmorStateGames.org. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? The Jim Allen Group is a nationally recognized and award-winning real estate team in the Triangle, dedicated to providing exceptional service to meet your needs. With the latest insights and expert market knowledge, they'll make your home buying and selling journey as smooth as possible. Don't wait. Head over to JimAllen.com and start your next move today. That's JimAllen.com. The Jim Allen Group, your partner in real estate. So going from the ACC to the NHL, Canes, Florida Panthers, we've got, what, about 28 hours or so until too game long. one gets started. Too, too long. long. It's, been, it's been how long since game five? They played on Thursday last Thursday. week. Thursday. So literally so a week. A week. Which this time of year is odd. It, it feels a little bit unheard of. It, it, it felt it like something much was wrong. Now that's you could go into the old rest versus rust argument. I think the Canes have proven that that's not really an issue for them so far this this postseason. I, I honestly don't even want to get into it because it feels a little bit ridiculous at this point. But one place that the Canes do have some success with this is Teravainen. His injury, the broken hand, we're about thirty days out from when he had that injury and had surgery. And head coach Rod Brendamore, will he be back? Well, hopefully he's going to play. You know, I haven't even talked to him since he cut off the ice, but, you know, we'll, we'll probably morning skate and make the determination after that. But he looked good. So where he goes, I'm not even sure yet. But, you know, he's probably um, going to play with one of those guys, you know, on the top somewhere. I mean, obviously. So, and then I'm sure it'll change. You know, might not game to game, but it's it'll change as we as we know. So it's more just if he can go and he feels like he's you know ready, ready, then you know he'll be in there. With the injury, you know, bad luck that the Canes have had. I'm sure they'll they're down for some good luck with Teravine and possibly coming back. You look at how good they've been on the penalty kill this entire postseason. They've they've had mm-hmm. four shorthanded goals and they have allowed three power play goals. They're number one in the postseason. Yeah, so. Um, and then when you have someone like Tara Vinen come in, who's who's so good on on you know penalty kills, I it, it just it feels like I, I'm almost like you're kind of looking around like waiting for the other. At least I am. That's just kind of how my mind works. I'm looking around waiting for the, like the other shoe to drop. Be like, all right, what's what's gonna happen? This this feels like it's too much good stuff happening in the postseason right now with the the way the Eastern Conference has has laid out for the Canes. They're they're not only are they a favorite in this series against the Panthers, but they they are the favorite right now to win the Stanley Cup. Overall, in most of the sports books I was looking at earlier today, yeah, I think a lot the, of good the, vibes. The betting line for them to win the Stanley Cup is plus two hundred. Yeah, so it's as good as it gets Com- comparatively to the other teams. To I mean, the other teams, I are... think uh, Golden Knights were next, like plus two forty. I want to say okay, but nevertheless, Vegas even just even though the national media might hate the Carolina Hurricanes, Vegas loves the Carolina Hurricanes right now in terms of winning things overall. Now with Tara Vine and coming back, the question is. Does that screw up the good that you had in this past series? Because this past series, they, they ran the, clicking. They basically ran the same lineup, the exception of on the fourth line, Mackenzie McEachern coming in for Yesse Puliyarvi. Otherwise, it's the exact same lineup for all five games, outside of one fourth line player. Um, is that a good thing 
that he's coming back. Like, how, my question is, how effective can he be after having missed so much time? And I mean, that's that and is. I, I think be, he can be. I, but, I think he can be too. Like, and th- that's going to be the question: is how effective will he be? I think some of this is just about the the experience that you have. Yeah. You look back at the last time that the Canes were in the the Eastern Conference Final it was it was 2019. I I believe they have about uh, nine skaters coming back from that 2019 run. So they they need the experience and hey you know Tara Vinen's someone who who has that experience he's played in seventy five playoff games he's won a Stanley Cup he won a, won a Stanley Cup I mean so there you go he's he he has a lot of that and it's it's interesting hearing head coach Rod Brindamore talk about those comparisons between the twenty nineteen team on that run and, and this run here from the twenty twenty three team you guys were an underdog nobody was kind of expecting that kind of run from you guys but now this season you've been a favorite each series you've been favorite the top team in the league. Has the emotions felt different coming into it this year than it did back then? Well, first of all, it depends who you talk to being a favorite. Because I remember everywhere I read, we were supposed <laughs> to lose every round. And probably a lot of you in this room said this. I mean, and I don't blame you. I understand why. It, it, you know, we had a lot of injuries and, and whatnot. But um, it definitely feels different. You know, we were, we're five years into the same core group. And, you know, these guys have grown up in this time. You know, this time of year playing and had a lot of, you know, I don't want to say a lot of setbacks. A lot of like, you know, we didn't we didn't reach where we wanted to go. So that's what's fueling this group right now. And so we're definitely we have a different feel for sure. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. He's not wrong about the whole no one, everyone thinking they're going to lose. Yeah. You go down the line. Islanders, that was a trendy upset pick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Devils, they, they were the betting underdog in that series at the start of the series against the, against the New Jersey Devils. I'm, it's it's always fun to to hear you know coaches and players talk about I mean, that he, kind of stuff. He does bring up good points in the sense of yeah, the Carolina Hurricanes had a lot of questions going in because all right, their goal scoring wasn't there late in the season. No, it's like okay, well the goal scoring's at a premium. It's it's Steph Freddie up Anderson. In the yeah, when Freddie Anderson's hurt, so we don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, I don't know. There there were definitely a ton of question marks going in, but. They seem to have squashed a lot of that kind of stuff right now because if you look back in the last series, 24 goals in five games, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Pretty remarkable for the for that for that kind of stretch. But who's hotter right now? Is it Florida, who just in five games beat the Toronto Maple Leafs? But we again just saw Carolina in five games beat the New Jersey Devils. So here here is my it depends on what you consider, like what your definition of hotter is. Okay. Right? So I think when you look at just how they've been winning, comparatively, pretty similar. Obviously, the you know, Panthers go to seven against the Bruins in the first round. But when I look at what I consider hotter a lot of times is how much they are playing above expectations. And while okay. the Canes have definitely played above expectations, when you consider so many people had so few expectations for them in the postseason, they were number two in points. 
in the regular season. Like we, they've this is the fifth straight year they've been in the postseason. We we understand how good the Canes are. At least at least we understand how good the Canes are as a franchise. I think the Panthers being able to do what they did against the Bruins to me is still the most impressive thing that we've seen mm-hmm. this entire postseason. And so in my mind, I think the Panthers are hotter now. The question becomes, right, so w- when you look at, and we were talking about this earlier, when you look at those two series that the Panthers have gone through, right, the first series they play the Bruins, they're down 3-1, yeah, and then they just go absolutely crazy and, and are able to pull it all the way back and win there late in, in Game 7. Yeah, won three straight games in that series. At that point. Including Game 7 in overtime. Exactly. And at that point, in my mind, it's a head game for the Bruins. Okay. When you, as the best regular season team of all time, are forced to a Game 7 after being up 3-1, you're nervous. Same thing we saw with Golden State and the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 2016. So then you're able to come out of that situation, you're mentally tougher. Then you look at the second round, right? Toronto gets through, winning a playoff series for the first time since the early aughts, and they're like, oh wait, there's more hockey that we have to play. That's right. And so they're just a little bit unsure of what to do in the second round. So mm-hmm. Panthers take advantage of that. They're playing extremely well. Boom, there you go. Personally, I think that while the Canes may be the best team that is left in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think that there is very little pressure on them. Yes, the situation is very set up for them to take advantage and, and take home a second Stanley Cup. But I just the whole thing for the Canes was get past the second round, get past the second round, take care of some of these demons that you have with yeah. you know the Rangers and all that. I think they're kind of playing, you know. Like very loose, very free at this mm-hmm. point. They're very confident. And so if the Panthers are really as good as they are, prove it now against a team that I think has as much mental fortitude as the Panthers do. All right. I get what you're saying. I know Carolina, I'm sorry, the Florida Panthers have won seven of eight games. Again, they're down 3-1 against the Boston Bruins. And five of those seven wins have come on the road. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. That's hot. Five of those seven wins have come on the road. Seven of eight, five of them coming on the road. And we have seen in these playoffs, the road team has a better record this postseason. The lone team that's the exception, really, overall, is Carolina, who's won 83% of their games at home. They've only lost one home game this entire postseason. PNC Arena makes a difference. It does. It makes a massive difference. You can talk about as well. Here's something I'm looking forward to. In terms of penalty kill, Mm Mm-hmm. Canes have the best penalty kill right now in the playoffs at 90%. Now, Florida, power play-wise, 27.6% power play. That's excellent. But Florida's penalty kill, just under 66%. So if Carolina can get get into the uh, get into power play situations, I like their chances. I think Because right fair. now the Florida PK stinks. And I got the stats to back that up. Yeah. I have a question for you, Lewis. We have I- a couple minutes here before we close this out. Okay, okay. The Canes have won five, or in the last five years, have won a playoff series in each of the last five seasons. We see the Carolina Panthers have the number one overall pick as they traded up for it. The Charlotte Hornets have the number two overall pick. This is after a couple years ago having the number three overall pick where they got LaMelo Ball. Is there another pro sports team in, in, in terms of the major pro sports here in North Carolina, I guess basically between the Hornets and the Panthers, that can maybe make a five-year run like we're seeing right now with the Hurricanes? So it's not the Hornets. Um, oh, it's not the Hornets? I'll just, okay. just, just going to say that. Just not the Hornets. I, right, I, why is it the Panthers then? I, it's the Panthers because of the foundation that's there. You've seen... What foundation? So 
what has been built this offseason. I know Paper Tigers, offseason, all that kind of stuff. But the coaching staff, I think, is very impressive. You're starting to see the roster come together. You have the quarterback now, or at least you hope you have the quarterback based on your number one overall pick. Um, and plus, I think it's about the circumstances around them. It's, it is getting harder and harder to win and have success in the East. I, the, their teams in the East are getting better and better. We've seen that happen in the, the postseason this year with the Heat being able to do what they do as, as, as the, what is it, eight seed as a play-in team? So, but in the NFC South, I think the Panthers have the opportunity to pounce, if you will, on a weaker division. And I think that in and of itself could be the establisher there. Derek Carr, I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's, he's pretty solid. I don't know if he's going to be the person to come in here and dominate the NFC South. What, is, what do the Falcons have right now? They have, I think they have a style of play that will keep them in games and keep them competitive. Yeah. But I, I think there's a bit of a ceiling there. And then Tampa Bay, I think Tampa Bay is trying to go all in on Caleb Williams next year. That's where I think they're going. I think they're trying to tank. Well, yeah, they're also just, they, they're bad. They sacrificed the future to go win when they got Tom Brady, yeah. and they got a Super Bowl Which, out of it. Hey, congratulations. They That's, got a Super they, Bowl they did, out of it. Same, same, same thing with the Rams, right? Yeah. They spent all that money, you know, for forget them picks, if if I may. Yeah. Um, And, you know, they, they get the Super Bowl. Hey, listen, do what you need to do. You get a Super Bowl win. That's great. That's how I view it. But I think because of what they are building inside of the of Bank of America Stadium and with what is around them in their division and in the conference, the lack of fantastic quarterback play in the NFC, mm-hmm. the lack of, you know, there there's a couple of people who you point at. I, I think the Panthers are the ones that are set up. Yeah, you don't have to run into a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson no. every year in the postseason. No. Which makes a massive difference. It's very helpful. Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice.